Find Mark chapter 14, if you would please. This weekend, I was checking online for some of the most expensive Mother's Day gifts. LeBron James bought his mom a Porsche. And David and Victoria Beckham bought their mom's matching Audis. If you're of a mind to do so, you can buy manicure packages from Images Luxury Nail Salon in California. Some packages that start at $10,000 and go up to $25,000. That got me thinking about extravagant gifts. Top 10 that the internet list. Tenth on the list was the handbag that David Beckham, there he is again, bought for his wife Victoria one recent Christmas. He paid $129,000 for that purse. Eighth on the list are the gifts that King Abdullah of Saudi Arabia gave to President Obama in the first year of his presidency. There were $300,000 worth of gifts that he gave to the first family that year, considered the highest, the largest amount of gifts that, that one head of state had ever given to another head of state. Fifth on the list is the diamond, the diamond ring that rapper Jay-Z recently gave his wife, Beyonce. It's an 18-carat diamond ring valued at $5 million. When in public, though, she wears a $5,000 imitation. Topping the list at number one is the Taj Mahal. The emperor at the time built the monument as a sign of his love for his wife. She died in childbirth at age 39 while in labor with their 14th child. Her death shattered the emperor who built this monument. A mausoleum more beautiful than the world had ever seen to honor her last wish. It took 22 years to build 20,000 workers. It was built in 1653 and would have cost about 710 U.S. uh, 710,000 U.S. dollars at the time. In today's money, valued at 827 million dollars. Now, legend has it. When they finally finished building the Taj Mahal, he had the architects and the craftsmen executed so they could never again plan and design and build another monument like that. The world thinks nothing of that kind of lavishness. Every day, millions and even billions of dollars are thrown away like you and I would throw around pocket change. But you know, let something lavish be done in the name of the Lord and people will complain, won't they? 
Folks, our passage in Mark 14 today is such a wonderful story in the life of the Lord Jesus. It's a story of extravagant love. It's so wonderful that Matthew, Mark, and John all record it. Luke records a similar incident that took place earlier in the ministry of Jesus. In fact, I'm of the opinion that 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 incident that Luke talks about is the inspiration behind Mary doing what she did here. Now, you know, normally we don't put the term extravagant in the same sentence with the Lord Jesus because in Luke 9, he said, foxes have dens, they have holes. Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He lived a very simple life with bare essentials. Sometimes you wonder today what Jesus would think of much of what we do. For example, what would Jesus say to a man today who spends $1.2 million at a Barrett-Jackson auction buying a classic automobile? What would Jesus say about a woman going into a fancy boutique in New York City and spending $32,000 on an evening gown or $18,000 on a pair of new shoes? And yet Jesus commends this lavish gift that Mary gives to him. Would you stand for the reading of God's word, please? Uh, Mark chapter Uh, 14 we're going to begin reading in verse 3 it says while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper as he was reclining at table a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard very costly and she broke the flask and poured it over his head there were some who said to themselves indignantly why was the ointment wasted like this for this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor and they scolded her but Jesus said leave her alone Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me for you always have the poor with you and whenever you want you can do good for them but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial and truly I say to you wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world what she has done will be told in memory of her father I pray that through the power of your spirit you would open our understanding to what you are teaching here Lord so many times we calculate in our lives we measure out in small doses what we are willing to do for you our time our resources our gifts, our energies. Oftentimes we give you the leftovers instead of the best. Lord, I pray today that you would convict us about that and help us to see that through the example of Mary, there are times that we are to be extravagant. 
And daily, we are to be extravagant in our prayer and devotion. Speak to us now, we pray. And as Jesus said to the churches in Revelation, he who has an ear to hear, because not everybody does, but he who has an ear to hear, let him, let her hear what the Spirit says to the church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here was a woman willing to do something very extravagant for the Lord Jesus. Now, I want you to remember that Jesus has raised her brother from the dead. It didn't matter what others thought. She wanted to give everything to Jesus. She wanted to be lavish. She wanted to be extraordinary. She wanted to be extravagant. The woman here has been identified as Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Now, as I alluded to earlier, there's a similar event in Luke chapter 7. It's a different event, a different woman. What's striking about this scene is how her act of lavishness touched the heart of the Lord Jesus. You know, we don't think about that very much, do we? Oftentimes, we think about Jesus touching our heart. But here's an occasion where a person touched his heart. This lavish gift so impressed the Lord Jesus that he promised Mary universal and unending commemoration. Now I want you to notice from verse 3, the setting, it is a banquet. The banquet took place in the home of Simon the leper. It's believed that this would have been a banquet of thanksgiving given by Simon in appreciation of Jesus healing him of his leprosy. Because if he were still a leper, obviously he couldn't have had a public meal. John's gospel tells us that Lazarus was there, Lazarus whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Folks, we're supposed to see a huge contrast between Mary and the chief priest and the Pharisees. We we know that after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, they were taking counsel together how they might put Jesus to death. They're even wanting to put Lazarus to death because on account of him, many Jews are coming to faith in Christ. And so here they are calculating how they might kill Jesus. And here Mary is instead anointing Jesus as a sign of her devotion and love. Mary and and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, were, were, were there as I mentioned. And true to her character, John's gospel tells us that Martha was doing all of the serving. That shouldn't surprise us either. In addition to the meal being a Thanksgiving meal from Simon, it's also probably a meal to celebrate the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And so again, think of the main characters. There's Simon, there's Mary, there's Martha, there's Lazarus. There would have been a good number of friends and family present. And Matthew's gospel tells us that all 12 of the disciples were were present. And so all in all, it was a pretty decent-sized crowd. 
Think with me about the mood. Here's Simon healed of leprosy, dreaded skin disease that would have left him hopeless and an outcast. There's Lazarus raised from the dead. He's eating fried chicken and banana pudding along with the rest of them. And Mary and Martha. They all certainly had reason to rejoice. All of them had reason to be extravagant in their love for the Lord. And yet only one shows it. Here's a woman truly thankful for what Christ had done for her family. Folks, we see in this passage that when it comes to what we do for Jesus, we don't always need to be calculating the cost. There are rare occasions that call for extravagant gifts, and there are daily occurrences that call for extravagant devotion. This morning, first of all, I want you to see with me that devotion to Christ calls for extravagance. Devotion to Christ calls for extravagance. Mary offered to Jesus something of great value. It appears that it was a very spontaneous act of love and devotion. I want you to picture this scene with me a moment. Here they are. They're all around the table reclining. They've enjoyed a time of food and fellowship together. And Jesus is probably teaching. And all of a sudden, Mary gets up, slips out. She must go into a, a, another room in the home, probably her, her bedroom. And she emerges holding something in her hand and goes back into the public area of the home. And she's holding there a precious flask of perfume. It was in a special container, an alabaster jar. Such a jar would have a long slender neck on it that you would crush and break to get out all of the contents. Now, now there was a little cork or a valve that normally you would turn the flask up when you just wanted to uh, send out a drop or two. But if you wanted to in, uh, empty the whole entire flask, you had to, you had to take your hands in and crush or break that thin neck of it off so you could pour out all of the contents. Once broken like that, the contents would need to be used up. Mary broke with tradition and she did something risky. She enters a room full of men, men in the majority there, and she breaks the neck off the bottle. She pours the whole contents out over the head of Jesus as everybody is watching in amazement. John is more descriptive. She, he says that she also pours it over his feet and she wipes his feet with her hair. Now you may not realize this, but what Mary is doing, this act on Mary's part is the more striking given the fact that a Jewish lady never unbound her hair in public. That was apparently a sign of loose morals. In Numbers chapter 5, the priest loosened the hair of the woman who was caught in adultery. 
Bishop Lightfoot cites a rabbinic passage about a woman who had seven sons, all of whom performed the office of high priest. And they asked her how any one woman could receive such a high status in life that all of her sons occupied that position, such important positions. And she answered that even the rafters of her own house had never seen the hairs on her head. Mary didn't care about appearances. It was an open display of lavish love. Mary took the risk. It was based on her devotion. She didn't care about the criticism. She didn't care about the custom. She didn't care about the cost. Mary went above and beyond what others did and what was customary. Because it was customary to take a cheaper oil or perfume and anoint a guest with just a few drops of it. But look at Mary. She's not taking cheap perfume and she's not taking just a little bit either. She offered to Jesus a pound of pure nard. She took the best. And she used it all. Pure nard was an Aramaic, aromatic perfume that came from the dried root of a Himalayan plant in India. It was rare to have so much of it and it said that hers was pure. You see, it was so expensive that it was, again, customary. If you had pure nard, you would usually dilute it down with a cheaper oil or a cheaper perfume to make it go further. It represented something very precious, something very costly. It's something that normally would have been used very sparingly or held on to for years and treasured for just the right moment. It's estimated that it cost what a working man would make for an entire year. We're told throughout all three gospel accounts that it cost or it was worth 300 denarii. A denarii was, one denarii was a day's wage. For the common working man. So you subtract out the Sabbaths and 300 denarii would have been a whole entire year's wage of a working man. And that's what Mary pours out on Jesus and anoints him with. You see Mary felt that Jesus was worth any expense. You know, oftentimes we're quite different from Mary. We calculate and, and we give to God only a little portion. We measure things out. We talk about extravagance, but then we do things that are miserly. Kind of reminds me of the, of the young man in love with his girlfriend. And he said, honey, I would climb the highest mountains for you. I would swim the deepest oceans for you. And if it doesn't rain, I'll be over to see you tonight. <laughs> we talk big and do so little. But folks, Jesus deserves our best. And you know something? True love doesn't draw limits, does it? Doesn't draw limits. I think of the story of the man in church. They were having a pledge campaign. And by the 
certainly not wanting to turn this into a tithing message. That's not the purpose at all. But just by way of analogy, they were having a pledge campaign and a very wealthy man, a multi-multi-millionaire came forward and he gave his pledge to the pastor $35 a week. And the pastor said, sir, you are a genius. And he said, why do you say that? Well, you live in a multi-million dollar home. You have garages full of luxury automobiles. Your family travels the world two months out of every year and you do all of this on $350 a week. (laughs) You're a genius. Have you ever done anything lavish? Have you ever done anything extravagant? Mary did something lavish like that for Jesus simply because she loved him and he deserves our love. Secondly, I want you to see that extravagance can be misunderstood. You'll notice here that some respond with indignation. You see, the crowd didn't approve. They felt it was a display uh, of waste. And they begin calculating a year's wage. Again, shows how valuable it was. And they begin to rebuke her. And notice who it is that led the charge. John 12 clarifies that it was Judas. And the Bible tells us why Judas said what he said. He wasn't concerned about the pure at all. He was greedy. He was a thief. And he kept the money bag of the disciples. And the Bible says that from time to time he would dip into the money bag and take the money for himself. He would have wanted this soul, $300 put in there, so he could steal it for himself. Another passage in Scripture, you'll recall, uh, Mary is being criticized again. Luke chapter 10, Mary and Martha and Lazarus have Jesus in their home. And and Jesus is teaching and Martha is scurrying about. She's so busy taking care of everybody. And Mary is seated at the feet of Jesus. And Martha comes running in there and says, Lord, don't you care? Tell my sister to help me. She's left me to do all the serving myself. And and Jesus said, Martha, you're concerned about so much. But Mary has chosen the best and it will not be taken from her. Folks, there's always going to be critics. There's always going to be those who misunderstand. Don't base what you do and don't do on the critics. If you do, you won't do anything. And guess what? You'll be criticized about that too. Some will say, I cannot believe that she gave her life to Jesus. I can't believe he made his faith in the Lord public before all those people. I can't believe that you teach at your church every single weekend. You could be doing something else. And, and you're, you're working in the nursery or you're teaching that class or you're singing in the choir or you're doing this and that. I can't believe that you're doing something like that. Or they'll say, I can't believe that he walked away from a lucrative law career or medical career to become a missionary. What a waste. Or I can't believe that that couple 
took their small children and they left America and they went to a distant land, a dangerous land to be missionaries. I can't believe they'd do something like that. What a waste. But what they're really saying is what a waste that is to me. What a waste I think it is. You see, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. They got a problem in their relationship with the Lord. You say, Scott, how do you know that? How can you say that? Because Jesus himself said that. In the other occurrence, in in Luke chapter 7, a similar banquet where where, uh, an immoral woman comes in and does this same thing. They're in the home of a Simon. Don't let that confuse you. Simon was one of the most common names of the time uh, for men. And so Simon in that passage is hosting a meal. Uh, Another woman walks in and she does this same type thing. She breaks this this flask of ointment, pours it on Jesus' feet. She's kissing his feet. Her tears are falling on his feet and she's wiping uh, the perfume and the tears off with her hair. And one of them speaks up and says, I can't believe Jesus would let a woman like that touch him and do something of that nature. If he were really a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman she was. And Jesus said, Simon, I I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story. And he told a story about a man who had been forgiven a huge debt by a money lender. And somebody else had been forgiven just a little bit. And he said, Simon, which person is going to be the most grateful? And Simon said, well, Lord, that's easy. The one who's forgiven the most. And he said, Simon, don't you understand? This woman, her sins are many in her life. You don't even see that you're a sinner. I came into your house and you didn't even do the customary thing of of anointing the feet of your guest, washing them. And yet she has washed my feet with her tears. You didn't kiss me and yet she has repeatedly kissed me. You see what Jesus was saying? Simon... Your problem is your heart. You wouldn't do something like this because you don't have the right heart before God. She understands the magnitude of her sins and what forgiveness from God really means. You don't understand that. She's done what she's done out of her heart. It's a heart condition. Heart condition. Ladies, what you do in serving the Lord, others may not understand. They may not do the same, and they may criticize you. Your service for the Lord that they might think is too much, too extravagant, too time consuming, too costly. But you see, it may be because they've not experienced God's grace and forgiveness the way you have. Third thing I want you to say. The Lord Jesus commended such extravagance. 
You know, the world will say, let's don't go overboard with this Jesus stuff. I mean, let's keep stuff in perspective. Just enough Jesus to make us comfortable. We don't want to be called fanatics. We don't want to be called freaks. But I want you to notice what Jesus did. He commends the beauty of, a, of the lavishness for his sake. And he commends the timeliness of it. He's about to go to the cross. Moments are fleeing by. This is probably the last truly selfless act that anybody did for Christ. Some think when Jesus went to the cross, he might have even still had the smell of this perfume and ointment on his body. The time for your lavishness, the time for your extravagance in serving the Lord and doing what you can do is now. It's no wonder that the Bible says we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. Life is fleeing by. Ladies, you don't even know that you have the rest of today. You certainly are not promised tomorrow. None of us are. Redeem the time. He commends the depth of the extravagance. She did far more than she realized. Jesus is pointing out, she has anointed my body. And so what's his conclusion? It's not a waste at all. Their conclusion, it's a waste. His conclusion, not a waste at all. Think of time and eternity. Over the span of 200 years, had the ointment been uh, sold for $300 and given to the poor, would we even know about that today? Of course not. But Mary's generous act lives on. It's not been forgotten. You know, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about all of our works in life. Some being like wood, hay, and stubble, and some like gold and silver and precious stones. And how at the bema seat of Christ, God remembers it all. It's not forgotten. Mary's work is not forgotten. Of Judas, Jesus said, it would have been better had he never even been born. But yet what she's done, wherever the gospel is preached in in the future, to the ends of the earth, what she has done will be publicized. She's done a good work. And the word he uses, the word for good, she's done a good thing, means not only just good, but also beautiful. Some things we do might be the right thing to do, but they may, may not be beautiful. She's done something that is not only the right thing to do, but it is the good and beautiful and lovely thing to do. You know, Mary wasn't like Peter. She wasn't like James and John. She may have thought, what can I do? And it hit her. She did what she could do. People say, oh, if I only had time, if I only had resources to serve the Lord, if I only had what she has, if I only had her time, if I, if I had her opportunities in life, I'd do something like that too. Now, you know what she would do? 
you would do with more exactly what you're doing with what you currently have. Again, the Bible tells us that. The Bible says, he that is faithful uh, in little is faithful in much. And if you're not faithful in little things, you won't be faithful with, with bigger things. Mary did what she could. She gave her best. Moms, have you shown extravagant love for Jesus? Your time, your service, your ministry, your gifts. Are you carefully measuring out your discipleship for the Lord just in small doses? Or... Are you giving him the best? Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest, tells an occurrence of, of one of his first churches out of seminary. He says, you know what? Our youth center, the, the furniture in there was pathetic. It was ratty. It was, everybody had just given leftovers. That's what we did. That's, he said, I did that myself. I had an old ratty couch. I didn't want, I donated that thing to the church and I went out and I got me the best. And he said, then I thought later what, what we've done. We've given the Lord the crumbs, the leftovers, what we don't want. And we've kept the best for ourselves. Mary here did just the opposite. Just the opposite. What have we given? I want to ask you to bow in prayer with me, please. Moms, what does your heart say? I know what your heart says for your children. And to that, we say, well done. There's nothing quite like a mother's love. Mothers are a true example and model. But moms, what have you done for the Lord? Would Jesus say, well done? Two ways to live, moms. One way is always protecting what you see as belonging to you. Your time, your gifts, your resources. You try to protect what is yours and you carefully measure out everything. And you know what? That's good with much of life. But not when it comes to our Christian service. The other way to live is a life of surrender. Remember that Jesus said, he or she who wishes to save her life will lose it, but she who loses her life for my sake will save it. Moms, there's not, there's not the opportunity for you today to do what Mary did here. You can't walk in a room where Jesus is and anoint his feet with expensive perfume. You don't have that opportunity. But what can you do? What has he led you to do? And have you done it? And not only done it in doses, but done it in extravagance. Lord, speak to our hearts. I pray that we will not measure out our love for you in small doses but that we'll give you everything and we'll give you the best 
For it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Would you stand? Is there a mom here that needs to give the Lord her best, her heart? Has the Holy Spirit been working on you about faith in Christ? Come forward. I'd love to pray with you. Moms, just stand right where you are and think about your own devotion. Say, Lord, when it comes to you, help me not to to measure things out. Help me to be all in the way Mary was.